<laughs> George is recording himself and Bruce Springsteen. How to free how? What? <laughs> are, are you counting to four? Just that's making the, noises. That's the fucking boss, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we should either start the song or get off his lawn. <laughs> hey guys, He's fucking pissed. Hey guys, hey guys, let's come in on here instead of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here. Fancy seeing you here at episode 37 with the lads from Ear and Loathing. We are the Gitmo Bros. We remain, always and forever, the number one rockers forever. And uh, I would like to say hello to my pal. He's the media darling of Ear and Loathing. Uh, Why don't you say hello to the people? Hi, I'm George White, and I just turned my desk lamp down here in the storage closet because I like to do it in the dark. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's <laughs> like a threat. <laughs> All right, I was, I was going for it. DJ, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet storm. Is, th- is that your choice or the, uh, the choice of your lady friend to do it in the dark? <laughs> oh, I'm all alone. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ladies in here. Yeah. There's just no room for them. It's truth the truth. It's just no room. <laughs> also calling in from the North Star. He's my North Star. He's George's North Star. He's all the lady friends North Star. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! I stay home more often than not, but when I get down, the down gets got. Hi guys. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Good to see yeah. you. Good to see you. <laughs> That took a left turn at the end. Hey, dudes. Yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, bros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So guess who is in the torture chamber this week? Who? That would be George. Nice. And uh, I promise I'll, I'll get it right this week. I will. I really <laughs> wanted to torture George last week. I don't know what was what got into me, but, you know, good things come to those who wait. And so here I am. He, he, he. Sure. Sure. Before... We get into the torture and everything. We have to go have a little powwow, as uh, Loretta Lynn would say. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go have a little a little uh, meeting outside of our teepee with uh, with this fine young hillbilly. And uh, what does this guy have to say? So like the fine young cannibals. <laughs> fine young hillbillies. <laughs> Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. Clem is particularly energetic today. What, what, nice. would, would, this, nice. would that song go like this? She drives me crazy. Exactly <laughs> like that. I'm a no seat. <laughs> so, George, Clem has opened the flap of the teepee. And uh, <laughs> you emerge with your, ready, to, ready to present us with your topic today. Yes. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, uh, do a loathe to love segment here oh and uh yeah and uh tell you a little something t- tell you a story about all right well uh, let me let me set it up then 
Come yeah. on. People yeah. <laughs> people want to want to hear from Guy. <laughs> oh, don't L2L. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Whoa. <laughs> Low to love you, baby. Whoa. Low to love you, baby. Low to love you, baby. Whoa. I love to love you, baby. Whoa. Low to love you, baby. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 what was it? What was in that sauce? <laughs> the clams casino coming back on me. Oh, whoa, you put peppers in that? <laughs> so yeah, we're getting our our money's worth out of guy that 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 appearance fee yeah, we had to pay. Boy, are we? Jeez, we have to. And now and now the door is open and George mm. has this. Okay, so um. This isn't a loath to love. It's maybe to maybe uh, I grew up. Uh, I grew up a little bit this day. So um, I'm talking about um, uh, Hall and Oates. She's gone. That song, and it's 1989, and I'm 22 years old, and uh, my college girlfriend has broken up with me and broken my heart, as uh, Eddie Murphy most eloquently said in Boomerang. Cupid has his foot in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> And I, it wasn't that I, 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 of course I knew who Hall and Oates, you know, I, a private eyes and one-on-one. And I mean, anyone alive in 1981, you, you'd have to be an idiot not knew Hall and Oates were. And I knew who they were and I had heard She's Gone before, but I wasn't a fan of Hall and Oates. I wasn't, you know, I knew who they were, but I didn't have any of their records or anything. And I shit you not, I'm, it sounds, it sounds like the most cliche thing in the world, but I, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror. I look down. There is one less toothbrush hanging in the stand. And all in one moment, it just, it hits me all in one moment that, that I'm this person, I'm heart sick, I have heartache, and that that, and the whole song comes back to me. I never really listened to it. And the whole thing comes back to me in that moment. And I realize that, that this is me. I am this guy in this song. And I realize how great they are, how great that song is. And it just in general, how great Hall and Oates are. And I go out, I go buy that song, and I go buy all the other songs, and I get into Hall and & Oates and really start liking them. And it was just a moment in my life where that where it changed completely from someone I'd never really noticed to something where I'm like, fuck, these guys really went through some heartache. And it was like I grew up and was old enough for that song and understood what they were saying and really understood it. And I said, they're right. I would play the, I would pay the devil to replace her. Right now, I would, <laughs> and it all it all came together for me in that one moment, and um, and that's that's really I don't have much else to say about it other than that that was that was the moment where that happened. And I wondered if you guys had a moment like it doesn't have to be heartache where something that something you didn't think was anything suddenly became the most important thing to you ever a piece of music or a song hit you like that. What is this music? A specific or is this could this be anything taste in movies or something oh it could be anything i guess but it was it was just such a moment for me that i realized that uh that i that i was and it was funny because i at 22 i felt like that i was that my face wasn't getting any younger i for the first time ever i felt like shit you know like it says in the song love i can see that love's taking his toll on me 
And I could see that. And I was looking in the mirror and looked down at the, at the, and her toothbrush was gone. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck. It all just like hit me like in one second of, oh, this is what this is all about. This is, this is what this feels like. This is what they're talking about. And it was odd because I hadn't really ever thought of it. It was as if all the lyrics came back to me all at once, you know, because I had heard it in passing somewhere, you know, many times, but I'd never really internalized it. Was it your first major breakup? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, you never had the, you, you probably never could have gone that deep before in a different relationship previous to that. No, no. I mean, I had girlfriends in high school and stuff, but this was, this was my first serious relationship. Um, you know, with a woman, I guess, where, you know, we were together and we were in love and, you know, and, and she had just broken up with me and it was, it was horrible. And that song got me through. <laughs> was she living there? Hence the toothbrush? Yeah. Well, I mean, not living, you know how that is when you're 22. She wasn't living there, but she was living She's there. kept her shit there. Yeah. yeah. And she had every, you know, I mean, she basically, there was the kind of, you know, kind of relationship you have at that age where you're, you're barely apart any moments of the day at all, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And so that's a, and, and that was just such a, and it's such a great song. And when I read about it again, you know, uh, read about it again now about how they, how did, it's still one of their most enduring tracks. It still gets downloads today. Um, how they wrote it was different than how they wrote other songs. And I don't want to make this into survey because I have one of those too. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I was, I was intrigued how they had, how they had done the song even and how it uh, came out and wasn't a big hit the first time but was three years later. And, you know, it was just, it was, and he, they really pointed out, uh, uh, John Oates really pointed out how that the two of them writing it was different than when they took it in the studio and everything that happened to it after that. And Arif Martin and all the strings and everything that's on it and how it was a magic moment for them and remains one. And I even watched like a clip of him doing it at Daryl's house, you know, in that show he has him doing it at Daryl's house, like maybe, you know, four years ago, and it's still great. And it's even a little different now than it used to be, but it all, it still resonates with me all these years later. Is this the one, I know that we're not supposed to, I know we're not dissecting She's Gone by Hall and yeah. Oates, but yeah. I, but I, sounds I, like we are. I, <laughs> turns out, but, uh, is this the one where, have you guys seen the live version? It's got to be from the late seventies. I don't think they were into their kind of new wave look yet. Right. And, and as I recall, Oates is doing like five different vocal ranges to, depending on whether mm -hmm. he's doing the lead or the harmony or yeah. the, the backup or whatever. Like, is that the, is that you guys, am I thinking of the right song? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you are. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking of, but that happens in this song too. Yeah. So you're probably thinking of this one. Yeah, but yeah. he did it live, which which amazed me. You know, I mean, yeah, I almost feel like I, I agree with with George. First of all, Oates was the most probably in all of MTV video dumb. He had he had the most punchable, annoying face. Yeah, the goofiest at, at, bastard at, ever. He looks always like Gary like, Yeah, right. <laughs> a giant mustache, and he was always like uh, bouncing around behind o or a hall. Yeah. And just making an ass out of himself. Yeah. And so I, I, he was easy to not respect as a musician because he was just acting like a jackass the entire time. But then when I saw that live video, and it's really, truly live. I mean, it, it's the band playing live. And he's, he's yeah. jumping all over his vocal range, depending on what part he needed to do, whether it's ooze in the background with the rest of the band or harmonizing right up with Daryl or taking the lead on the verse. Oh, yeah. And so that was a bit of a revelation for me to just to kind of hop on board George's uh, revelation. Mine, I wasn't like crying about a toothbrush at the time, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I did have a revelation about Hall & Oates, just like you, George. 
Yeah, that, that's well, it. Well, it's one of those things where, like, it's great when, when songs or let's say songs because you're on a song kick, but like, if songs have when they're when they're hyper poetic and you have to really think about it to find what's going on in there, that's great. But like a lot of great country music or a lot of gr- a lot of great R and B, um, it's all about being universal so that anybody can feel this way. Dude in Moscow feels the same fucking way as I do. When I when when I listen to it, and so like because the heart is universal, and people are getting their hearts broken, getting your hearts broken is more more universal than having a terrific love because not everybody fucking gets that, right? But you will get your heart fucking broken, and that's universal. And so those those great songs, like those Motown songs, and and you know the and you know the Philly sound is what Holonos was all about. It's fucking epic, you know. And they trafficked in that, and they fucking won all the time when they. Their best songs are doing that. So, you know, it's nice that it came around to you. You probably thought that it was like not, you know, I, mean, I don't know. For as sensitive as you are, it seemed like you live, you, you believed yourself to be butcher than you truly, when your soul truly is, yeah. George. And you just sort of ran into, oh, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm Johnny Sensitive and that's okay. You yeah, <laughs> let it in. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know if I, it just, it, it, the way, the way it struck me was, was so, because uh, now you could relate. Right, you, yeah, you it meant something before. to me suddenly, and and I it guess was somebody else's problem until the, this toothbrush was gone. <laughs> I didn't even You're like, realize what it was about. Problem. Really, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew the song's called. That's she, what I'm saying. You didn't gone, relate. And, yeah, right. I didn't at all. You're like somebody had left. Somebody went on a vacation. What? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> gone. I was sort of, and I was sort of dismiss. I was not sort of. I was dismissive of all the notes of like they seem like a pop band to me, and you know, and, and at your own peril. Yeah, I know. No, I didn't. I wouldn't. I wasn't even aware of that. And it wasn't that I didn't. Like I said, I didn't. Of course, I knew who they were and knew their songs. Right. But I, I, I listened to Rich Girl, you know, just like everybody else. And when I was a little kid, and thought it was thought it was naughty because they were saying bitch and you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all that. But that was. But it really, it really resonated with me. Um, in that moment, they went from Hall and Oates to Hall and Oates and White. That's right. I like you were up. part of the band at that <laughs> I point. Joined up right then. Oh, and and uh, and um, and postscript. So. Uh, we got back together uh, about nine months or a year later. Uh, Turns out she wasn't gone. No, she no. She's but, back. But then, but then that was like ninety ninety eight. Did it to me all over again. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I hope she's listening. Yeah. You swine. Yeah. yeah. No one does that to a Gitmo bro. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, Except for her. You know. I guess. And I I I, I didn't. And, and at that point, uh, She's Gone didn't exactly, uh, it, it wasn't the same as it was in 89. It wasn't as, um, you know, melancholy or pure, or it was, you know, it, I was just, I was more angry then in 1998 than I was in 1989. <laughs> 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 and I was 31 as a, or 32 as opposed to uh, 22. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so had you, if, okay, if it was 88, you're saying, when the first one happened? No, 89. 89. Okay. So yeah. you were the, Hall and Oates. I just want to get back to the, what you originally brought up. Cause I need yeah. to, I need to come up with one for you. It sounds like, um, yeah. but you were aware of not only aware of Hall and Oates, but they had been through probably a couple dozen hits at that point, And you were just like, meh to all of them. Yeah. At, I didn't, it wasn't my kind that of, you know, as incident? much as I, I don't want to say it was, I was, you know, lost in Motley Crue or something, but I was, you know, I had been maybe in 1981, but by then, I mean, I listened to a lot of pop music. It wasn't that I didn't didn't like pop music. I did a lot. 
Oh, we know. Your single purchases. At, In my uh, single Tower purchases, Records. forever yeah. your girl. We need to go over this again. <laughs> that happened after that. This this is busted his cherry into the douche music. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't really, I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't like Hall & Oates, really consider them as, you know, someone I would like. And I knew their music. But they were, and, you fucking ubiquitous for oh, about yeah. five years oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I listened to all that, and I knew, and I was that was what was weird about it is I had heard she's gone on the radio, obviously, like anyone else, or or did it in a minute, or you know, and then and, and then I remember finding out after that that they had written uh, every time you go away, and then Paul Young had recorded. I loved that song. I always thought it was a Paul Young song in 1985, say, and I liked that one, but I never really liked or bought any of their other other singles or music mm-hmm. until this happened to me with she's gone and then i went back and listened to not went back and listened to it because i'd heard it but i bought it and became more part of liking hall and oats and and really how great they are and how many singles and just what monsters they truly were still are as songwriters as performers as everything and i thought there were just two guys sort of i dismissed them as a like kind of nothing pop act but not after this i didn't the only other significant she's got <laughs> staying on the she's gone <laughs> but the only other significant story i have about that is uh and aaron might even remember this back in around that same time period probably george 88 or so yeah uh we, my sister and i were living at my mother's house in monrovia california yeah east of pasadena and uh back then no one had cell phones you know so you had a phone line in the house and somehow we, you know, we talked my mom into giving us our own phone line. So she had her own line and we had our own line. And so of course I had to share an answering machine with my sister. There was no voicemail either. It was an answering (laughs) machine. So you had to, you know, we'd always like put outgoing messages out and the other one would go, that's lame. I'm changing it. It was just, you know, typical sibling thing. But at, at one point my sister moved out, I think to go live with my other sister. Hmm. And uh, I had the phone line to myself. <laughs> so, so when like the day after she packed up and, and moved, I, I, and you know, back then you would, you thought you were so funny and clever if you would put some sort of outgoing message that involved a song. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. I, and so you'll never guess what song I sang. I didn't even play it in the background. I just sang it into the. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> About my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy she's gone. <laughs> right, yeah. So that I got was my the... own entry machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, I'd it... love to hear that. Oh, oh God, who knows? Little micro cassettes. You must have a box of them somewhere. Yeah, I they... <laughs> wish. I know. Oh, God. It probably isn't even worth. If I dug it up, it's probably not even that funny. But um, anyway, so that was that was the uh, my only other connection to <laughs> she's gone. Now to get back to George's. Um, I'm going to say original query to me and Aaron, which yeah. is, did you have a tipping point, I guess, is, is, of where you didn't like something or didn't care about something? Loathe to love. Yeah, loathe <laughs> to love. Right. And uh, Aaron, do you have anything on that subject? I don't know. Not really. Um, I think that they uh, was pretty steadfast on things. I, I went through a long period of not giving one hot rip about the fucking Beach Boys. I always thought they were corny. From the time I was a kid, I always thought they were corny. Mike Love always bummed me out. They had dumb, like their uniforms were stupid. <laughs> everything about it, those dumb striped shirts, everything, dumb, <laughs> dumb, 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 dumb. I'm still there. <laughs> and just like stupid, stupid, stupid. I had no space for them. And then uh, then one day, when I was still pretty young, um, I heard for the first time um, 
I guess I should have kept my mouth shut when I talked. Told the guys about my car. The uh, oh. shit. Don't worry, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I heard fucking "Don't worry, baby" with a fucking just. I was in a mood, and it fucking came on, and I was, <laughs> I was blown away. It was one of those proverbial <laughs> yeah. moments where it's like, oh my god! <laughs> I was just wrapped up in the beauty of the whole thing, and uh, it just, it was like. Uh, I don't know. It was almost like a psychedelic experience in a way because like I wasn't expecting it. And all of a sudden it came on and just like wrapped me up. And, you know, I, I was hip to the fact that they were quality because I knew of the competitive relationship betwixt Brian and, and, and the Beatles. I wouldn't even say the beach boys and the Beatles. I would say Brian and the Beatles. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was ready to respect them. I just didn't. So then suddenly when I had that moment and it felt like uh, suddenly I was getting a hug from Maharishi or something. <laughs> God damn it. This is incredible. And like, I think I got like a fucking teary and stuff and just like, God damn, this is incredible. I love this. And, and, and since then it's been among my favorite songs of all time and would easily go very high in the top 50 where I forced to create one. Um, so that's pretty good uh, to George's point coming from, completely dismissing them as a vehicle for Mike Love's douchiness to, you know, having a song that appears so highly in something like that for me. So yeah, that's my version of that. Do you get bummed out by the second verse about his, he has to go drag race for his pink slip well, or I something? Well, I mean, I don't care about the car. The car <laughs> thing is, I wish that it was about like, he's talking about bragging about his car. I should have kept my mouth shut when I told the guys about my car. But like, there's it's it's what's happening in the, the, the chorus is so terrific yeah. that that I forget about it. But yeah, it is a bump. And if it wasn't there, it'd be better. Yeah. yeah but it's such a monster that it just, I, I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. You could be talking about key lime pie. <laughs> I'd probably care more about it if you was talking about pie than a dumb fucking drag race. But. I could make an edit for you, Aaron, where, where could like, you? he just repeats the first, first verse and you never have to have the car part. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so great. It's so great. Uh, uh, you know that chorus is just the. Best. It is no, I'm not denying how how beautiful that song is. I always, I'm always like, because the first one is when she makes love to me, yeah, and then you're all like on this dreamy kind of cloud of, of uh, like eternal eternal beauty, and then and then he goes, I guess I should keep my mouth shut when I start bragging about my car. Right. <laughs> and truly, like, huh? and truly, that's another one of those songs where it's not to me. It's not about a gal. He's singing about music. Like the romance songs are always about music to me, from his perspective. Yeah, from Brian's perspective, is that he's saying like the song, the music takes him away when he's he's uptight about his drag race. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry, it's gonna be all right. <laughs> so like music is his little his little helper, <clears throat> anyways. Yeah. So that's that's my version. It's a good story. I like that. That's a, that explains yeah. it well. I'm trying to think of like there's a there is one of those for sure, but I don't have that tipping point, that kind of crux where I went from eh to uh. Um, but I do know what it is. It's jazz. Oh yeah, because as a hot headed young idiot who just thought he knew everything in in my you know teens and 20s i i had no time for jazz and and then i one incident in particular i remember i was at this girl i was dating her family lived out in malibu why she was with me we'll we'll never know but i was i was at their house and her, and her dad was really cultured and a nice guy older guy actually and he would be he'd play jazz and drink wine when i'd be over there and i'd i'd sit and talk with him and and 
I would just sit there and, and disparage Jazz in his house. <laughs> oh, you must have been a fucking what a pill. I, I wouldn't walk in and, and just start and go, "Hey, old man, turn this shit off." But he would, you know, he would just inquire, like, "Hey, wh- what kind of music do you like, or whatever?" And I would, you know, of course, spout Not off. Not fucking jazz. Yeah. <laughs> Any more wine? I, I'm, I'm picturing you dismissively gesturing with a large wine glass, uh, you know, and take a big <laughs> slug and then keep going. You got any jackal? <laughs> so, so I, and you're I just ashing, remember like you're ashing your oh. cigarette in his fucking pumpkin, his carved pumpkin, like whatever. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I carved that. Yeah, what is this Coltrane? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So, so I, but I just remember being kind of a dick about the whole thing. Um, and then I don't know when I crossed over. That's the problem. Um, I just think I started appreciating. Uh, the musicianship and the mood it can kind of put you kind of like what Aaron was describing where it you can kind of you know there's some jazz that you just still don't want to listen to I mean you can keep your you know kind of like uh, quiet storm Kenny G bullshit I, I still don't want to listen to that and also a lot of like kind of bop is just a little too up there on asshole for me but that said I mean I would say like 85% of jazz I'm happy to listen to no matter what form it comes in just because it it creates a, a different mood that I that I'm probably I was ready for when I was younger, you know. It's a patience thing, I think, or letting loose of control, yeah. Rather than have sort of song structure, yeah. I I I, I found that uh, was helpful. Like if I was ever writing something like a story or whatever, I could never listen to songs, but I could listen to soundtracks. So like in the in the few times that I've ever done any sort of like, you know scripty kind of stuff it was always particular soundtracks um would put me in a mood and allow me to do it and so it was allowing myself to not have any kind of defined direction and and it you know didn't and so like and i would imagine that your idea about coming from a pop sensibility as you do you know you like, what is this get a direction like fucking do something mm-hmm. i, I want to yep. hum something and then and then when that's not given to you 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 it can be deridable i lash out yeah, with anger. Well, drinking helps with jazz, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, George, you picked up jazz just th- that recently? Yeah, like during during COVID, I started listening to I started listening to it. It has to be it has to be quiet, not quiet storm Kenny G, but it has to be like if there's a drum in there, I, if it has to have brushes at the most, that's the most percussion I can stand. Yeah. It has to be that quiet with just piano, bass, and drums, and maybe maybe a sax. I know you hate that. Damon, every once in a while, not in the whole thing. But yeah, that's all I listen to when I when I have drinks and sit by myself in Ricky's room. That's all I that's all <laughs> I can listen to now. I don't listen to anything else. George is always by himself in a room. Yes, I am. I'm an only child. But I guess so is Aaron, so <laughs> He's in a closet right now. I'm in a closet right now by myself. You know, I'm very comfortable, really. <laughs> Do they actually let you have a chair? No. I- <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sitting in the... I, I have a garbage can turned over. <laughs> it's fine, though. I have, my, I have my feet up on a... I have feet up on my... Uh, some Xerox boxes, the hammer mill. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting on a, on, a, on, a, on a garbage can. It's fine. Oh, is that our new album? A hammer mill's new album? It, what, what, in, uh, in the boxes? It's, it's sitting on hammer boxes. Hammer mill's album is it, in. It got shipped it's to in. you. No. Hammer mill is the band, and that you're, you're, you have boxes of that in your office right now. Yes, I do. Way to tell yeah. us about it. <laughs> you remember our prog band, George? Yeah, oh yeah, from yeah, from uh okay. from Daniel Petrie's uh what was it? John Lloyd. John <laughs> Lloyd. 
uh, quixotic variety. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> It's a bad sign if George, who's in the band, doesn't recall it. (laughs) But the public did. The public knows, I think. I don't remember that record. (laughs) Some guy in Denmark is going, John Lloyd's Tangible Variety. John Lloyd's Tangible Variety. How come they don't remember? (laughs) Well, okay, so uh, do you feel like George? I know that that may not have been super satisfying, but did we we hit some of the beats that you needed? It was very satisfying, and I did get my answer. I have my answer. I have my answer. Good. Glad we could scratch Good. that itch for you. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. I love the meatball serving that up. It's it's a funny runner to me. <laughs> I have to set it up so so that Michael Caine can see. That. <laughs> How do we know? Like back a million years ago, when we went to go see Hannah and her sisters in whatever fucking movie theater we saw it in, that cut to 2022. <laughs> We'd hear it every single week. Yeah, it would become a nationwide catchphrase. <laughs> Fuck nationwide, dude. World <laughs> global, worldwide, baby. <laughs> worldwide. Yeah. Shit. Uh, yeah, we should do like a. You know how like you watch a movie and then they cut around the world to different versions of that thing. Like it's 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 like in <laughs> yeah. Japan and it's someone saying the Michael Caine catchphrase. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just loves it. He's still. He's like. He's just leaving work, telling his boss. I have my answer. Oh yeah, from the pod. Nice. The boss knows. Yeah, like it's it's actually like just peaked right, and we're we're about to start drifting into the you look marvelous territory with I have my answer. Oh yeah, yeah and in, in this montage, of course, there's two Eskimos in an igloo, and they have their answer. Give each other Eskimo kisses and butterfly kisses and butterfly kisses. Whoa, tying it all together. I love when you broadcasters do that. <laughs> All right, so very good, boys. That was a that was a very pleasant uh, walk down memory lane. But I yeah. think George, it was a very nice try on your part to divert our attention away from the matter at hand. Yeah, enough of my uh, enough of my sobbing and toothbrushes. Let's get down to the. <laughs> you thought getting dumped was was torture. How about some of this action? <laughs> torture chamber. Okay, I'm not going to bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm going to torture you anyway. Suffering. All right, so as we determined before the show, let's see, A-Dog... Went second last week with Danny Aiello. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> which means Aaron goes first this week, and he's going to torture George. Now, would you like to uh, drop some sort of intro onto this song, or do we dive right in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from the fucking white folks, dude, department. <laughs> and 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 i think it might be the first one in in the torture chamber and all these eps that won the academy award for best fucking song oh really? uh, and yeah yeah and and it's just fucking brutal and it sucks and it's the worst and and i apologize you know straight up <laughs> in front but like it's it's the epitome it's the epitome of dopey no taste white folks sounds like it was written in a hurry and it was written in a hurry. <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with the film. 
And yet it has everything to do with the film. It's the <laughs> signature song from the film. And it's bizarre that it, this, that this song is part of this movie. It's, it's insane. So uh, <laughs> let's fucking spin it. And I realized as I was choosing this, that, um, <laughs> that I may be shooting myself in the foot because something has started to scratch my, 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 uh, my anxiety machine that, that, George's mom may have liked this song. So, uh, you know, <laughs> if that's true, then I lose, but it's okay. It's still a, it's still a gnarly song. So here we yeah. go. Uh, in fairness, Aaron, um, there was an Academy Award nomination for Papa Only Wants the Best for You. <laughs> it didn't win, but, you know, I, I just wanted to get that on the record. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Was it for wardrobe for the army jacket or for the song? <laughs> My pickle. The pickle. <laughs> the pickle. Was it for the pickle? Best work, best costuming? Or no, it was for the song. Okay. What that is- was actually a, a category back then. Best bickle. <laughs> and of course, Taxi Driver won, but you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's called the it's called the driver or the bickle. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. This is uh Aaron's torture for George. That voice, yeah, it's that lecturey uh, hippie chick voice, right? That the Judy Collins voice. Oh yeah, yeah. it's Judy Collins, but without without any of the soul. Yeah, <laughs> Judy Collins somehow manages to. I mean, of course she doesn't have. I'm being outrageous, but like it's Judy Collins after a six pack. <laughs> yeah. really letting loose. <laughs> and who and who is this? This is Maureen McGovern. Um, Maureen so McGovern, sang, right? Yes, she sang this fucking song. And by the way, so many people were wounded in the making of this film, and it's from the Sight and Adventure. But but like, oh. the, what what happened though is that like the 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 song was written, the song was recorded, and it was two other gals. A gal performs it, lip syncing it in the film, and then to Maureen's another track? gal sings it. No, and then the song <laughs> is recorded properly, and it's Maureen. Oh, I see. So. Yeah, so if you're watching the film, it's it's another two people. It's like it's sort of like there's nine million people are Darth Vader. <laughs> right. There's there's young Vader, there's the old guy, there's the guy you see when the hat comes off. There's the <laughs> right. voice. There's yeah. James Earl Jones. Right. There's the ghost. There's the stunt cock Vader. <laughs> there is. And so like and this 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 song has done almost as much damage to the galaxy uh as as young Darth. Darth, Darth McGovern. <laughs> the Empire. <laughs> so this one fucking best best song of the year. And then by the way, same duo writers, same chick, Maureen McGovern, won the next year for fucking Towering Inferno with an equally stupid song. Which I'll just say, so just in case somebody else wants to do it down the road, I won't name it so that they can. Oh wait, wow. this is this is okay, Maureen. this is Poseidon Adventure? Yeah, yeah, and then the next year was Towering Inferno. It's Ugh. that's incredible that I, I had no idea that like uh, it, adventure uh, tragedy films had. I mean, I guess it's the same as the asteroid thing with the uh, I don't want to miss right. a thing or whatever exactly. came later. Yeah. But yeah. they gotta but, have the ballad. This this was that. Yeah, for, it's, just, it's a good comparison, George, because this was what that became. So yeah, this is two guys, Brill Building guys, Al Kasha and Joel Hershorn. And uh, they wrote it, and they were told the night before it was due, 
<laughs> that they needed they needed a ballad, and so they wrote this one. And uh, the original title was called "Why Must There Be a Morning After," but the record label was changed it to something more optimistic. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a morning after. <laughs> <laughs> it's about everybody dying anyway, so there's it's they're trying to find some romance in the in the situation. But God damn it, you know I don't know what my heart will go on has much to do with you know the Titanic either. Right. I yeah. mean in their in in their defense, but uh, let's listen to this white chick sing about white shit. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's hear this. Yeah, I and, and you're right. I know my mom didn't like this song, but when it came on, it made me think. Is this like 1974? Well. well my original date that I gave Damon was 74, but that's because Wikipedia is fucking smoking dope. It was really, <laughs> it was written in 72 and then it came and it was, and it got the Academy Award in 73, but it was, you know, from the films of 1972. I don't know what the fuck 74 has to do with anything. <laughs> you said um, 73 right. in so, the text, Aaron. Okay, never mind. So I was I think you're the one smoking dope. It was 72. It's a lot of dope yeah. involved. Let's hear this dope number. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I do want to point out that I like the fact that the guys, when they only had one night to write a song and had to turn it in the next day, it's called The Morning After. Yeah, they had to stay up mm-hmm. all night to write this yeah, piece of right, shit, right? there you go. <laughs> I think they're singing about themselves. Okay, here we go. Maureen McGovern. Uh, if we can hold on through the night, we have a chance to find the sunshine. Let's keep on looking. Who makes these videos? I know. I'm sorry, guys. I'm talking about the video, but Aaron, you watch the video. Great. I think you send these to me on purpose. (laughs) This one is particularly great. It's so dumb. (laughs) It's like mountainscapes and and like horses in pastures. Of course. Yeah. What else would it be? (laughs) Oh. Meanwhile, meanwhile, this is a song that features in a movie where you know thousands of people lose their lives in the briny deep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this person's such a fucking dope. She's like, I don't care. Right. It's an, it's romantic. <laughs> so yeah, it's a romantic song. They oh, that's always the excuse. Meanwhile, the whole cast is at Davy Jones' locker. Davy Jones' locker. I like the I like the movie exhibit going like, we gotta have a you know we gotta have an upbeat song here, something romantic. Give me something you know whatever. Have them those Brill guys write it. <laughs> when do you need it? Tomorrow. <laughs> and these guys almost had like an EGOT too, because they both got Emmys as a team for, uh, they did Peach Dragon uh, and they did uh, a bunch of other TV stuff. They got Emmys for that. And then they got, they got, they were nominated for Tonys. These dudes were just fucking unstoppable. Was show business uh, with, easier with back their, then or something? I, I, was, fuck, George, I was just <laughs> about to say that, like, why the fuck was an eye around writing was. songs back then? Because... <laughs> I, I could write the morning after fifty times by next next week. I'll have everybody yeah. was on everybody was on fucking. I mean, kids. I don't know. It's a different thing to be able to write from this emotional hip. So like, you don't overthink anything at all is the key, and you know it connects with people. So like, there's a there's an art to it. There's a genius to it. It's. I, I mean, I, when I say genius, I, I mean that in a sort of snotty way. The genius to be to to connect with dumb people. <laughs> Which is, and by the way, recent uh, political activities will show you that <laughs> right. like, there's more of them than you think. I'm not saying it's <laughs> it's a, not a real thing. I'm saying like maybe we yeah. just don't. We just have. Here's the thing: what what everyone knows about the Gitmo Bros, we have too much integrity. It's we do. true. If we it's have true. too much of anything, it's integrity. Yes, right. <laughs> that's why I'm in a basement and George is in the it, storage it, closet. It's, it's, it's not talent. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. 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 
Uh, we're the number one rockers forever, and we're lousy with integrity. Yes. <laughs> Bathing in it. <laughs> Two Soaking things in, in the it. storage closet, me and integrity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so carry on with, with Maureen here. Yeah. By the way, it's kind of a... a dearth of maureens these days i don't i don't run into a lot of maureens anymore when it was seemed to be like every every second girl you ran into was maureen yeah you know yeah too many yeah. of them anymore yeah. 70s was big time for maureens it was yeah i miss them yeah dude i mean like it's it's it sounds like she makes helen reddy sound like gritty from the streets of harlem yeah you know? like, i thought it she, was helen reddy right. for a minute i thought it was <laughs> yeah these dudes same dudes wrote for uh helen uh yeah uh a number of times Sorry for interrupting. Let's listen to some more of uh, uh, of this fucking cream cheese woman. Can't <laughs> <laughs> you see the morning after? It's waiting right outside the storm. Why what? don't we cross? <laughs> it's waiting outside the storm. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, they they finished that verse like at like three thirty a.m. Dude, I'm done with this fucking song. He's like, hey, look, we got to brew up another can of postum or something. These lyrics are starting to suck. And don't we cross the bridge together and find the place that's safe and Small chance of that. <laughs> They're going to go into the briny deep. It's not going to be safe and warm. So, yeah. Note sorry safe to tell nor you. Nor warm. <laughs> You're going to have a barracuda in your pants. <laughs> a barracuda. Um, do, do you have any info on this Maureen McGovern character? Well, uh, you know, she was voted most likely to be white and, uh, and was. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I fucking don't. I, I, I watched I watched a different footage of her. She 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 pulls it off live. I'll say, I do have that on her, and it's just some of these some of these broads like Melissa Manchester and Kim Carnes, and they they were backup singers mm-hmm. or studio singers, right? So right. I was yeah. thinking maybe Maureen was one of those. Yeah, she doesn't have a ton. Of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, she's there was a style of singing, and she's been asked to do that. Like she probably yeah. was totally. put through the yeah. deflavorizing machine. You know, she probably you know <laughs> the first couple of tr- takes was like. You know, probably sounded like, uh, you know, Janis Joplin. And then she backed off to, you know, Don No Soul Simmons by the end, you know. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah, what if she's a belter, dude, like sang with the Little River Band or something? Right. Maureen McGovern and the Pips. <laughs> <laughs> she's one of the Pips. Oh. All right. Uh, carrying oh, on. Oh, wait, I wanted to tell you, oh. I wanted to tell you, these boys, these boys, uh, uh, Al, Al Kasha and Joel Hershorn, they wrote a book and that, that Marvin Hamlish wrote was the, uh, the definitive book on songwriting. Uh, and I'm guessing that you really pronounce the G in song writing when, <laughs> when he <laughs> says it. <laughs> and, uh, it's called, if they ask you, you could write a song. So like, it's like that old joke about like, if you ask a, an actor, can you can you ride a horse? You have yeah. to say I've got a saddle in the car. Of course, yeah. You say yes, you can. And so, so this sort of leads you to believe that these guys were thrown into the art of songwriting with uh, with little risk and a lot of reward because they just said, yeah, yeah, of course we can write. Of course we can. If they ask you if you can write a book title, say no. <laughs> 
Can you write a song in 12 hours? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. One of America's top songwriting uh, team winners of two Academy Awards tells you everything you need to know about successfully writing and selling a song. All right. So here we go. Let's carry on. This is a very short song, by the way. Mercifully. Oh, no. <laughs> Put our hands. Yeah. What did she say? Put our hands. What? Do you know let's the just lyrics? Too into that fill. Yeah. Let's put our hands. It's too late. It's a uh, let's put our, let's put our hands out in time. Oh, okay, I thought she said inside. Weird. It's not too late. We should we should be giving. Only with love can we climb. It's not too late. Not while we're living. Let's put our hands out in time. Yeah. I don't know what that means. In time to grab a life jacket. Like, <laughs> none of this is working out for these people in this movie, you know? No, no. Or us or us here listening to this song. <laughs> yeah, for society. Uh, all right, well, okay, I don't get it. I, there, I think this verse is even worse than the previous one. <laughs> oh, Hard to believe. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, like the characters, this had nowhere to go but down. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with the side adventure gags here. Give me a break. Yeah, parenthetically, it was a, it was a, got to be a morning after. Parentheses, the briny deep. <laughs> hey, let's forget that briny deep part. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was like little octopuses garden noises, like bubbles and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we get Daryl Dragon with his uh, with his keyboard and his patch bag. <laughs> <laughs> we lost like two thousand souls. I think this sort of cuts into that. I don't know. Am I the only one? <laughs> it's called the Poseidon Adventure, not the Poseidon Downer. Shut up! <laughs> it's a hit. <laughs> it's an adventure. Yeah, it's an adventure. The greatest adventure. Death. This, this was the one with uh, Gene Hackman, right? The Hackman. I think uh, Connie Francis. It was one of those things Shelley where Winters? when they made Shelley these movies, Duvall? it was who's in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shelley Winters. Yeah, maybe not Connie Francis. Yeah, right. It was um, I think it was like Georgie when they do this now? It's like an entire uh, like UTA's entire staff will be in this film because they're producing it. Right. Yeah. So like they they have the is a million people. That's how like Paul Newman gets roped into fucking Towering Inferno. Oh right, yeah, he is in that. Boy, yeah. the Age of the Disaster Bizarre. movie. You know that mm-hmm. earthquake and yeah. Right? <laughs> Sets around yeah. airport, <laughs> airport. <laughs> All right, midway. airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's hear more of this. Yep. Okay. Not exactly. <laughs> You want to call the shore the sand at the bottom of the ocean? God, I just, I just, I, I hate myself that I, I know this. Like, I know this melody. I know this song from just being a child, you know? Well, yeah, Aaron, it was not only won a, the Academy Award, but it was a huge hit, right? Yeah. It was a great big hit, great big hit. And then it got new life again. I mean, in a jokey way, uh, South Park used it um, as the song the succubus sang to Chef. 
<laughs> oh, right. So when Chef was Chef lost his will to live uh, because the succubus would sing this song, um, it really bums me out. And there's a few things about it that that make it so. And I think one of them is just like there's no. I'm bugged by the set, by the fact that it's a disaster song. And like, all right, take it back. I don't want to miss a thing. That somehow makes sense to me because like we got to live every moment because I don't want to miss a thing because you know. A, a, an asteroid could destroy the earth <laughs> somehow there's i get, I get it makes it. more sense this, right. i agree i yeah. do not get this and she's even saying things like we're gonna make it to the shore and things like that like, she's also <laughs> yeah. wrong we're gonna make it to the shore <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're wrong we might make it to the shore but we just won't be alive <laughs> no we, yeah i mean eventually you'll end up original lyric shore. wash up on the shore yeah exactly. and they decide to change it <laughs> That was the second hand that went up in the meeting. Yeah, excuse me? How about make it to the shore? <laughs> hey, Al, what rhymes with bloated? Some hobo will find our corpse on the shore. <laughs> All right. So, well, I get the Aerosmith song, like... I don't know. I'm. I always just pictured that as as an Aerosmith song. Like they were writing kind of dumb songs like that anyway. So well, it's a Diane Warren song. They weren't writing yeah. that. <laughs> well, you yeah, know what I mean. Diane they were Warren. putting yeah, out yeah. that garbage. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and uh, I never associated it with a movie. This one is so it's just so corny. And and we don't know who Maureen right. McGovern is. You know, it's not like she had a, a her own Walk This Way before this <laughs> this song came out. So this is just like a dumb overwrought ballad. With no, as Aaron says, it's just so white and soulless, and and it's these sentiments that that, that you know you can't really relate to. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe some people get comfort from this, but I have the feeling those people are dumb. Ultimately, the, this thing that irritates me or seems odd is that you. It's such a generic thing that it could be any one of the. It could I thought it was Helen Reddy or Judy Collins. You could tell me any of that, and you could tell me that it was from any movie right. or any. It, it has no resonance with me in that way. It just seems like a generic song from that era, mm-hmm. and it's not right. that it's particularly generic, horrible. Honky. It's just that's yeah. that's what songs sounded like then. And I, I liked Aaron's idea that they went. We got to get a Helen Reddy like song for this. So get me someone that sounds like Helen Reddy because she yeah. sounds. There's almost like Hel- Helen Reddy was was Australian, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and almost there's something English or about this pronunciation of, of the way she's singing this. It sounds yeah. she English. It sounds and it is preachy from a, a folky kind of not tear jerking yeah, or like a commercial but, voice, like someone yeah. would sing about American Airlines or or uh, you know butter, you know. Something like or that. Or butter about Mark, <laughs> or you know, could be about the beside about people dying in, in the uh, in what would in what you say the briny deep, um, you know, or Marjorie. <laughs> you know, that, and that's what that's and, our girl. And you guys really made it. You guys really uh, crystallized what I'm saying. That it could be about anything. <laughs> right. Like, songs yeah. like this were just generic songs, and they were all there were so many of them back then that you know were like this. But somehow this was Yeah, dude, does... she was American. She was fucking American, born in yeah. Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, uh, George is right. Like, there's, uh, you know, because Joan Baez and Judy Collins are American, and, and they, they sing with those right. quasi-British yeah. accents. After, you right, know. Right, like that. Right. That's yeah. what one yeah. word she said, Maureen said. It sounded I think very... I sing like that, too. Who does? What does? <laughs> I think I do, too. You do? <laughs> 
for her genres or styles is uh, pop music, R and B, and soul and holiday. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Now that I know she's a soul singer, let me reassess. <laughs> let me see. Okay. Oh, oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> you didn't tell me she was into R and B. You should hear her version of Respect. It's great. <laughs> I think one of her songs was playing at the club that Danny Aiello went to when he was looking for Madonna. One of her Excuse me, Maureen. Tracks. I'm here for the look for my daughter. <laughs> Don't want to interrupt your set. I caught your set, though. <laughs> I'm going to go break some rocks. <laughs> this song makes me want to break rocks. <laughs> and then I'm going to hug a punching bag. <laughs> you want a lady bickle? I got, got a line on him. The, the, the garment district. His and hers. Now, 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 there, now, there, now there's a song. Now, there, now there's, a, there's a commercial. There's got to be a lady bickle. <laughs> it's just a yellow and her. Lady bickle. I must feel like Don Draper's pitching me that, like in a, in a, in a madman <laughs> thing in 1963. At the end of the commercial is just them leaving a Mets game it was like in that like in that seventies sort of filter on the camera. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. Both have a slice. They go, hey. Uh, remember what I said about this being a short song? <laughs> Turns out it's not. Okay, here we go. Call off the maritime search. <laughs> did, they, did those Tom Tom sound as funny in the room as they do over here? It's like a lounge drum set, like it's a Rogers kit that they have like in a lounge that everybody plays. <laughs> it's it's like that dark maroon wine color. <laughs> yeah. You know it is. Yeah. Little it's got known fact salt all over it. This is uh 14-year-old Jeff Picaro on drums. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I know he got jobs when he was 14, but... <laughs> it just seems like every other song has, has Jeff Percaro on it. <laughs> yeah. He, was on, the, he no. was on the road with Sonny and Cher when he was 14. He, he wasn't around for this. He was busy. <laughs> it's actually a guy named Bill Severance. Let's give the devil his due. He's the coolest thing about this song is uh, Bill Severance and his sweet fills. Got yeah. big Bob Frazier on on guitar and and uh, and uh, Joe, Joe to his friends, Hudson... Uh, arrangement and conductor, and then uh, Maureen, Lean and Mean, not too far in between. McGovern. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for, I guess they have to bring in a whole string section for this, right? To do the song like this. Yeah, they don't list them. It's just a three piece, and then Joe gets a shout out for arranging it. But yeah, then there's a full on orchestra or a string section anyway. Yeah, fuck. What a <laughs> Jesus. What a pain it's in the, the ass for the, this. You know, like what featuring <laughs> the Poseidon horns. Yeah. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I think this is this. It sounds like a bunch of white people dying. This song, and so I guess that's sensible. <laughs> they, 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 the Titanic guys played as the ship. <laughs> the, was, these was guys. Side adventure about the Titanic. I don't even know. No, no, it was a. a, a, a it was a ship, but it's a yeah. shipwreck mm-hmm. movie, right? A disaster shipwreck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The yeah. plot was the Poseidon crashed into the Titanic. <laughs> into an iceberg. There's still oh. a pod left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. There's got to be a morning on. There's got to be a morning on. Yeah! Oh. There's got to be a morning on. Yeah! 
Maureen's like, I think I have an idea for the end. I did. <laughs> Turns out she didn't. <laughs> just picturing like the keel of the ship just in the sunrise, just going down finally. <laughs> as she's just echoing, like the whole thing just finally dips into the black watery, you know. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's gone. Like the ocean ate it. <laughs> yeah, all right. We're cruising towards the end here. As you can tell from the triumphant vocal stylings of Maureen. <laughs> Call the Not sure that she had to do that every time. You know, you know what I mean? Like, kind of <laughs> spread it out. How many groups of calves would be in like an Oldsmobile Buick and? Half and halfing that, so like the left side of the car is doing the the first part, and yeah. then the, the right side of the car does the response. They just love it. They're like, I can't yeah. wait till the end, dude. It's gonna be great. I was thinking how many high schools, like you know, you know, girls chorus B did this at the talent show at the oh. winter festival, the winter assembly yeah, that the, year. <laughs> the, the second girl sort of awkwardly stands on stage to the side the entire song, except for the yeah. end where she kind of steps over and does her part. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I hope I hit that note. Man, I hope I hit it. I've got all song to think about that dumb note. Got nothing to do with standing here like a chooch waiting. <laughs> Don't fuck this up, Loretta. Don't fuck this up. This is my opportunity. Dre- <laughs> Dress like a fucking shepherd. <laughs> Why? Why did I take this role? A little visual note: uh, the guy who put this video together with you know all the all the the corny the corny shots of like sunsets and everything he he gave himself <laughs> credits at the end of this. He, he gave himself a producer it. credit for this video. I, I produced this. Yeah. By the way, someone played this at, at at someone's funeral and it meant something to somebody. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you. Yeah, they Damon, did. Damon, the the first image of this video is the world, by the way. It's the world, like the, the entire world is shot from space. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why. They, they start with a macro. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the guy who produced it, he, he had a, he's a bit of a visionary and had, had an idea in mind what he wanted to see. And he starts big and just kind of works down. Mm-hmm. So he wants you to yeah. know that there's a real good chance you're going to die in the briny deep, considering the world is seventy percent water. I was going to say the world yeah, is look. three quarters water, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, look. There's a huge chance you're going to die this way. I mean, there's just not enough land. There's not enough. Look. <laughs> well, there you go, George. Uh, Maureen McGovern and the morning after from the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> yeah, it needs those parentheses. The theme from Poseidon uh, Adventure. Oh, right. That's now right. that makes it better. Okay. So, Jeez. yeah, why don't we fast forward for my uh, torture? Yeah. We're going to go into 1983, and we are at the point in New Wave history where the purveyors of New Wave knew how to do it and did it well. And then you had some people coming along who said, oh, that looks easy. And I I don't really have a department for this. I mean, I kind of know what thematically what it is to me. And it's basically like, thou art not quirky. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I understand. Yes. So. I get it. Here we go. 1983. And I, I've got some visuals to send you guys, but I want to get through the first chorus, which starts, which starts the song. Okay. So here we go.
Anyone recognize this? No. I, I was adjusting. As soon as that started, I started adjusting the volume down because it was hurting my ears. Just <laughs> I actually <laughs> turned it down over here, believe it or not, because it was hurting me at my ears, too. But uh, where are my Gitmos here? There you Is that are. dogs barking? That was dogs barking. So that was the chorus. So this, I'm going to tell you guys what this is. This is a song called Dog Police by the band Dog Police. What? That's not a thing. <laughs> yes. You had some thing. real building guys write this 20 minutes ago. <laughs> this was rejected for the Poseidon Adventure 10 years earlier, and they revived it in a new wave setting. No, this is actually, um, I guess you could call it a, a novelty song, but it really, uh, decent rotation on MTV. Uh, and I'll tell you more about its MTV beginnings and about the guys in Dog Police themselves and everything. But uh, enjoy those lyrics. I've also got some pictures for you. And uh, let's hit, hit the first verse. Okay. <laughs> Are you getting it? He's quirky. God, what a not dick. Every, not, <laughs> this guy listened to two Oingo Boingo records and went, I've got it. Yeah, and, and, one, and, and four more Devo records. I'm this and good. Just, then, yeah. then took and wiped his ass with both. <laughs> God, what an asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the, yeah, Aaron's exactly right with Oingo Boingo. They think they're Devo. You know, he, he, he thinks he's David Byrne. You know, come on. Here we go. Let's keep going here. Yeah. You guys get that? Wipe my nose. Yeah, he went to the bathroom uh, to do blow. Okay. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. And now here comes the. So is it a dog? Well, it's. Or the dog. We're going to. dogs of the police? I'm going to show you guys <laughs> some pictures after the, the chorus hits, uh, hits us again because it's all going to come together. Here we go. Okay. It's, we're coming up on it right now. go <laughs> fuck you the other person is this the is, other person he's fucking with is a frank zappa would like which is fine with me because i don't care about frank zappa anyways but like i think i feel like frank zappa is like way better the, yeah yeah exactly like this frank zappa actually was funny right right like he right. had a good sense of humor and and then you were entertained by his songs this these guys are just trying in fact they were I'll tell you a little bit about these guys, Dog Police. They're actually a trio. Let me send them to you, send you this picture real quick. Was this on Doctor Demento or something? Well, it, it, it sounds it, like that. It kind of was, but it also was like a, a kind of an MTV thing. And let me let me tell you what that is real quick. But here's here's these guys I'm about to tell you about. They were a jazz trio 
from uh, <laughs> from um, Tennessee. We're at the picture you sent. There's way too much facial hair for way, a new yeah, wave. Way yeah, way too. Yeah, they all look like they the look guy like fucking from, uh, Randy Bachman. I was thinking of the draw guy from you know PBS. You know the, yeah, the oh, yeah. afro right. and the, yeah, the Will Bob. Ferrell doing a gag. Yeah, Bob. What's his name? The guy. The guy who Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Bob yeah. Ross, yeah. On the right is is like the sort of half witted Michael Anthony. In the middle is Bob Ross, and on the left is my electrician Leland. <laughs> and you can't call him Lee. You have to call him Leland. Oh my um, god! Look at those guys. I know. So they're all dressed up in their new wave clothes and everything. Um, but their name really is that they're from. I don't know if it's Nashville. It's somewhere in Tennessee. And uh, they're called the Tony Thomas Trio, and it's keyboardist, vocalist Tony Thomas, bassist Sam Shoop, and drummer Tom Leonardo. And they were a quote late seventies era progressive tinged fusion jazz rock band. Now that works for this picture. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. that's the song we should be hearing from these guys, not yeah. this 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 kind of cut rate. This is like when a movie executive can't afford an Oingo Boinga song for for a soundtrack, and they just hire some shithead to write to write a, sh- a song. The sound this is, alike, yeah, yeah, the feel and, alike, right? And and they go, I don't know, just call it Dog Police or something, and then that's that's what you end up with. So th- these guys are, you know, just I, I really. It just bums me out when guys like they try. He's trying so hard, just like a jackal was trying so hard to be edgy and and you know risque and to piss off parents with a she loves my cock. These guys are like, hey, you know, fucking you know, Devo can do it. We can do that. Look how easy that is. And you're just not Devo. Do you know what I mean? You're not Oingo Boingo. And even like the bass yeah, parts. You have to be real clever. I don't know. If, I don't think it's that much of a coincidence that they're the, the most popular band in in the world in 1983 was the Police. And and we've got a do 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 bass going on, you know, in right. in the verse. He's the the drummer's just playing the 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 kick and the and the hi hat, a la Stuart Copeland. In other words, like I I don't think that's a coincidence, you know. There's three of them. There's three. Yeah, there's a three. There's three of them. <laughs> the name police. It's a power trio. <laughs> Dog police. <laughs> I just really don't understand this look. I'm getting more pissed off by the moment. I just why if you're gonna cop a new wave thing why not i mean get mohawks or this most cliche thing you can do get a dye your hair blue don't look like this like aaron's right you have to new wave isn't about beards it's just at all yeah you cannot have fucking beards and be chunky dude no you know like you got it you got to do something else it just the thing i just sent you is also from the video that's them in costume as the dog police and i don't understand this cost concept what well, it's doing cocaine in a club and the dog police are there. <laughs> well, or... this is what I read I and heard in, in my research was it started off as a joke where, uh, let's see, this guy worded it very well. Okay. The idea of calling the dog police to arrest an unattractive woman when you're on a date, like maybe you're set up on a blind oh. date and she's, and, oh, and, and so, he's going to come, he'll never come back from the table. He's going to go to the bathroom and not these guys are fucking talking shit. <laughs> These guys are talking shit? Whoa. Okay, now I get it. He said, had a blind date. She was out of sight. Okay, she was a chick from the canine scene. Okay, yeah. I get it. So the chick's a dog. Right. Even, oh, uh, by the way, and to add to the stupidity, um, complete uh, misogynist asshole judgment. Great, thanks. That, that just makes <laughs> yeah. it worse from, now. From three fucking Randy Bachman-looking motherfuckers. Yeah, just these like, fucking fuck guys. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, please. 
And, and was there was there thought like, well, we're not getting, you know, we're not getting laid in our prog rock band because girl right. chicks don't come to prog rock shows. But if we do this <laughs> and make a song that disparages uh, women as dogs, we'll we'll get we'll get ass more tail in the toilet seat. Yeah, this yeah work. right yeah. What a fucking dicks. I want to send you guys the the music a link to the music video. I, you know, obviously don't listen to it right now. You don't want to listen to this song, but you can at least see what's going on with the video. And it's actually a pretty weird and interesting story. Okay, so these dummies were um, recording somewhere. I guess they they didn't they want let's experiment with some other stuff besides our usual jazz fusion bullshit. So at one point they started fucking around with this song "Dog Police," and the engineer perked up and said. Now that song you guys should be working on. And and then some record label, local record label, heard about it through the engineer or something. I don't know the whole story, nor do I care, nor should any of you. But this label ended up investing a shit ton of money in both the album production and the video production, which the video cost $50,000 in 1983. Which you could buy a house with. Jesus. Yeah, right. And I think they all thought they had their own talking heads or something. They go, oh, all right. This is it. Here's our here's our meal ticket. It's dog police. <laughs> Aaron likes to bring up disco duck a lot. I mean, this is this wasn't yeah. even going to get to the level of disco duck. It doesn't. I it it depresses me that I ever tried to do anything that somebody was successful with this. Why couldn't that fallen on one of us? I mean, why not? Why couldn't it have? I just. <laughs> So, oh. so, uh, Why are they in a storage closet talking about me? I mean, I just, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> we don't deserve this. <laughs> All right. So they, so they really, the funny thing is guys, is that like the production of this video, it's no, it's, it's no worse than any video you saw on MTV at the time. I mean, it really is like the, the makeup production for all of the, the, the it three... looks like a, like a Greg King, uh, Greg King band, uh, <laughs> video yeah right it has that same kind of quality to it yeah they've got the the rumpled nick nolte uh suits as well <laughs> but uh but like the girl who's who's the dog face girl is is the makeup's really well done and everything and the lighting is fine mm-hmm. like the editing it's all very well crafted filmmaking it's just for this stupid fucking song and then it begs the question like you this song can't exist without the video is the problem so it's never going to be a hit like you guys are listening to it now, experiencing it without the video, and you're both about to vomit. So, who, why, again, maybe the answer to this, like most things, is cocaine, but why they decided to sink, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into a video, and the production of the album is perfectly good, too. You know, like, the song isn't poorly produced, it sounds fine as a, you know, just an engineered album, but uh, it's just a dumb song, and so I guess you have to ask yourself why. So let's carry on a little bit because uh, it's it, it you're not there's not a lot really more to say about this. I mean, there's plenty to say, but there's not a lot to hear. You're just more of this dumb guy and his you know quasi David Byrne delivery, and then that dumb core that cut rate. Don't you know, believe. yeah, they had Frank Zappa chorus. So here we go. Yeah, okay, without the video, who wants to hear any of this, right? It just sounds like a bunch of nonsense. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's all not in tune or something? Or what is that? What is, <laughs> well, there's a siren going by, which is obviously the dog police. I know, all right. 
<laughs> or they have like three different sound effect records right. playing at yeah, the same yes, time. Yes, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw that in too. What man. is this? Where's the Auga horn? I mean, fuck. <laughs> what are they? Not throw it in, sure. Got a kitchen sink? Yeah, throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> That's pure comedy. Oh, fuck you. This is so. <laughs> and this also, there's a quality to this too of like teenagers in their bedroom thinking that they made a great song with like yeah. rhymes like that. Right. And they come play it for your friends and you did it in a tape. Damon, recorder. back when we when we figured out uh, 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 Mr. C blown away, we could have written this song. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exa- yes. Exactly right. Yes. That's the same thing. Yes. Yep. Remember how earlier when I was mentioning that Marvin Hamlish quote on the on the, the jacket of that record yeah. on, on the on the on the jacket of this was just George White's quote. It just said, "Fuck you, <laughs> George White." <laughs> That's the pull quote from George. Fuck you. fuck you. Dot dot dot. Fuck you. Dot dot dot. As if there's a bigger quote. <laughs> and it's like dot 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 again. No, seriously, guys. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Uh, just, I got a couple more, uh, factoids for you, which I'll, I'll pepper throughout the rest of this, of this, uh, segment, but they also had, and, and you can just imagine how this sounded and looked on a video is a song called 1-800, which was another, you know, like hilarious Kiamity piece about ordering stuff on, you know, like this home shopping network. And it's the yeah, guy just, uh, it's the guy just picking up the phone and he's going, I have too many knives, you know? <laughs> It's, it's it's i'm telling you is that the guy selling knives or the guy who's bought no he's the guy knives? at home who who kept calling the 1-800 numbers and, and buying products that's i the, thought the guy was the the reason he could afford to give these knives away at such a great price oh. that i've got too many knives yeah even me accidentally just off the cuff have a better, better kind of yeah. yeah a better riff than these guys all right they have a real concept problem don't they <laughs> Damon, was the one eight hundred number also done as the Dog Police? Yeah, it was on the Dog Police album, but they weren't dressed up as Dog Police. It was just an album of quirky songs, a la Weird Al. Right. Although they weren't doing parodies of other songs, they were own originally written, quote unquote, comedy songs. So uh, the dog, the so the girls are dogs, and Dog Police have to come get them, and the police are also dogs. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Takes one to know one, they say. <laughs> sure. So here we go. Yeah, I'm kind of done with the song. Right, guys? Oh, Just God. Yeah, it's wacky. Just yeah, it's, it's it just does that. It's so the, the, a couple of the other uh, points of interest. Um, one, it has been pointed out by people that that's act, the chorus of this song was was just very blatantly ripped off from a Spider-Man song from the Electric Company. I don't know if you guys ever watched the Electric Company when you were kids, but there's always a Spider-Man segment called like Spidey Stories or something. Right. And I yeah. even remember the song. It was like, uh, Spider-Man, where are you coming from? Spider-Man, nobody knows who you are. Right? 
Yeah, but, yeah. Nobody knows who you are. Right, right, right. And yeah. it was, and that's the exact lyrics from the Spider-Man song. Also, the exact <laughs> lyrics from Dog Police. And I, I guess they thought no one would remember that, but it's you know, since since then, the internet sleuths have have pointed it out. Um, Uncovered. Yeah. <laughs> now, the interesting part about why this song kind of like rose to prominence uh, nationally was because another thing from our MTV youth, do you guys remember that show that was super early on called Basement Tapes, where local yes. bands would yeah. send in their tapes of their actual homemade videos, and then, then yeah. you would call in and vote on them? So yeah. the first round, which was really the memorable one, because that was the one uh, me and my sisters used to watch, and then, <laughs> do you remember who won? There's a band called Track, those three brothers from like Northern California, who had like like almost like gay disco song it was supposed to be hard rock but it was like a, it was like the scene was a gay disco do you guys remember that at all you have to no. look it up I'm, I, I'm going to share that with you after the show but i was out at a club but so, yeah exactly <laughs> george is at rage so so these guys submitted their fifty thousand dollar you know, high production video basement, basement tape. tapes yeah, right. and it won like the first, the semifinals or something. So then at one point it went head to head with the song dancing by track. <laughs> I'm telling you it's worth watching. Um, but I feel uh, like I remember track. Oh yeah. You I feel like I remember that. Trust me. I mean, it, it could almost be a, a, a torture song, but um, so, and, and dog please ended up losing to this cheesy little, little pop rock song. You know, it was almost like track. The track song was almost like a, a really lightweight <laughs> Eddie money song. If, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, they that that was kind of the the end i I think the song as george said i think it got picked up on dr demento and even i think weirdly pardon the pun weird al would play the song he he did al tv do you guys remember that he would kind of take over mtv for a couple hours and just play weird videos and stuff so this song was played on that now here's the most bizarre turn and i think george can probably speak to this from the from a tv (laughs) industry perspective i kid you not seven years later in 1990 a pilot of a show called dog police was made with this song as the theme song they changed the lyrics but it was actual three dogs two male and one female or one bitch dog if you will (laughs) <laughs> um, were would solve crimes, and they were in a precinct with one of their uh, human police uh, colleagues, who was Jeremy Piven. And at one point, a smartass uh, young young ne'er do well criminal comes in. Oh no, one Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> so so Jeremy Piven and and uh, Adam Sandler were in this pilot for this this really fucking god awful bizarre thing called jo- Dog Police. And it's the three characters, make, you know, singing the song at the beginning. You know, Dog Police, nobody knows. So that was really wow. a, took a strange turn. Now, why they would reach back into this obscure song from 1983 from this this kind of weird novelty song and want to, someone pitched a pilot for it? Maybe George has some insight on what. It's still like very close to the 80s, so cocaine could have played a role. But you tell me, George. I I don't know. It, it, it takes all the wind out of my sails here because I was going to I was going to not go off on a rant, but be so pissed off and say like, well, oh, were these guys fucking sitting around going, oh yeah, dog police will have an animated pilot and lunch boxes <laughs> and posters and kids and they'll love it and yeah. and I the thermoses and whatever and 
and and turns out it's true. So I look like the dick again. Yeah. Because I didn't think of it. And I don't have a pilot. And so, okay. <laughs> or a song. Well, as you got no talent. You got no, no talent, no backing. You got no money. You got nothing. But you, no uh, you have a dog, though. You have a dog. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have written a pilot called Dog Police, and I, you know. Now it's George. It's funny you say that because my concluding thought on this whole thing, it's which is kind of a theme we we return to uh, once in a while on this show, is. You know, the band later laughed it off as like, could you imagine if we had to go, you know, tour the world as the dog police and have to wear those stupid masks on stage? Oh, good thing that didn't happen. But, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure like like, uh, you know, Paul Stanley pretending that he hates put the X in sex or whatever. I'm pretty sure these guys, based on the production that went into this, were pretty fucking into it at the time. And we're thinking, just like you said, George, you know, we can get, you know, merch going with the dog police and, you know, spin off oh, yeah. TV series and stuff. So don't act like you're relieved that this never took off. You know, right. you, you were 100 percent into this concept when you did it. And then when everyone, you know, scoffed at it and <laughs> and, you know, slammed the door on you, you, you went, oh, well, you know, sour grapes. Yeah, good luck. Glad that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I think I have. We won't. I don't need to play any more of this song. There's about a minute left, but fuck it. Um, that's Dog Police Dog by Dog Police. Police from. You'll never guess the album Dog Police. From the album Dog Police. Yep. Okay. Well, there you go, George. Now you have a decision to make about the morning after parentheses yeah. theme from the Poseidon Adventure by Maureen McGovern or Dog Police by. Dog police. Dog police. Well, uh, both of these songs uh, really piss me off <laughs> in a different, in a different, each in each in a different way. And the only reason I'm going to go with dog police is because I'm more aggressively pissed off. It's not sort of a, you know, it's just not a the the pit in my stomach kind of dull ache that Maureen gave me. This is right up in my throat. You can probably hear it. I'm pissed off and I'm tight and and I'm more aggressively mad at this one than I am at, at Maureen McGovern. But I'm also very mad at that it, yeah. one. Yeah. Because <laughs> they both make no sense. They both and, – and I'm glad – I'm upset about the the lack of talent involved in each one of these songs. And what they, they, they soared to such heights. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Think of these songs, both wildly successful. Yeah, I mean, look, they're being <laughs> talked about on on one of the prominent uh, podcasts of our time. Of our time, yeah. the podcast. Yeah, yeah given <laughs> an hour, an hour and a half of treatment here. Yeah. So, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah. <laughs> Your review stands stands firm. Your review stands. Fuck you, both of you. <laughs> so, well, okay, it's dog police. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am going to step off my sinking ship. And uh, do a little jig as I float to the bottom of the ocean with this. The winner takes it all. And by the way, I'm not proud of this win. <laughs> I'm not proud of this. I'll yeah. take it. It's one in the W column, but you know. <laughs> I think you know when you get to George when he just it, there's no like humor in his voice. He just goes, "Oh fuck you!" He's he's just. <laughs> it's just a David version of you know what? Fuck this guy. <laughs> it's You're just right. Just a whip, a whip of anger. <laughs> I am I'm mad at that fuck one. Fuck you. <laughs> 
Well, I could see a a uh, giant cruise ship going down. Majel's going to take us take us uh, on a little journey here. I could see a, a, a cruise God. ship going down in the somewhere like this. Sorbet, purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Little known fact: they filmed all the scenes of the Poseidon Adventure at Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> yeah, the briny, not so deep. <laughs> And we're later ticketed by the dog police. <laughs> oh, pulls it together. Dog police. All right. So uh George has a sorb for us. Yeah, I do. We need we need this salve. Um and you'll know it right away. And I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm st- I'm sticking I'm sticking with my boys uh from the beginning. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't look at a toothbrush. Exactly, I... <laughs> you'll start crying. But this this is the other side of them. This is the joyful side. And this is probably my favorite song of theirs. All right, let's do it. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> what I want, you've got that it might be hard to handle Like a flame that burns a candle This is just like a perfect pop song, isn't it? It is. That's why I love it so much. It's just a perfect pop song. It's just, and that's what they do. And it's, yes, exactly. The fucking guitar work on it is so dope. I think it's GE, yeah? It G. E. is. Smith. The guitar player in this, no, is, uh, it's only listening, it's only listening, uh, Daryl and John. That's it. Oates, yeah, Oates wasn't a, a yeah. schlub on the guitar. I thought he was, a, he was pretty good, right? Yeah, the personnel, it only lists those, those guys. Yeah. What year is this, George? This is uh, from, what is this from? This is from 80, 1980. It's off the the record Voices, Mm -hmm. um, which also had, I think, Kiss on my list and something else on it that was really good. The thing that, um, the the one thing from this that I didn't know when when I read about was so that, that organ in the beginning is some organ called a Yamaha CP3. And not three three PO, but CP three. <laughs> sorry, CP thirty. And they um they only made it for a while, and he was unable to duplicate that sound on anything else but that organ, and and got rid of it or it broke or something. And he searched and searched for it for years, and just recently found another one because they only made him for a short time. And that's why that's such a unique sound at the beginning of that and throughout the whole track. Yeah, that is that is such a fantastic keyboard sound. Yeah. And that was that was uh, funny to me that they that that's how they found that. Yeah, it's John Oates on guitar, uh, Daryl on keys, John Siegler bass, and Jerry Murata on drums. Jerry fucking Murata, goddamn. Ooh, yeah, no way. And it's just, yeah, it's just uh, that's incredible. The four, uh, not counting. And the I voices. thought it was more people. I thought for sure it was. More I was going to say right? it's just four yeah. instruments. It sounds like right. Yeah, it is. Guitar, bass, drums, and keyboards. Not a lot of overdubs. This guy's the same dude who was with Peter Gabriel all those years is also on this. Like, you want to talk about range for Jerry Murata. God damn it. Yep. All right, let's keep going. So beautiful. The groove is hella good. This is, uh, sorry, I always do this. I don't care. It's my show. (laughs) <laughs> this is the official daryl hall and john oates video i look i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that the line is 
full stop, right? Not full stock. S-T-O-P. Full stop. Right? Yeah, no, I was sort of surprised when I read that because I've always heard it is full stop. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's the term. There's no such thing as full stock in, you know, in, in the way they're using it. In there, I guess I'm saying someone could have, uh, you know, kind of ran this through the copy edit machine. <laughs> so, hey, guys, uh, especially the guys who wrote the song who might want to look at the lyric video and go, hey, dummy, that's not the line. It's full stop. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, sorry. That That's that's what I do for a living. So I'm going to okay. write to my congressman. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, and you're right. The guitar—it's just playing off the keyboard perfectly, right? Yeah, they're yeah, both—it's th- fucking all kind, all kinds of space. They're filling, they're filling the spaces between each other. They're not stepping on each other, you know. Right. Which is <laughs> which is fucking great, and the t- the two tones sound good together. Like they yeah. obviously Oates had to get in line with with Daryl's, as George described. Like that, that keyboard just has that sound. What, what are you going to do? Right. And then Oates had to kind of like work his way into that sound, but it's a fucking perfect blend. All right. So, so here's the interesting part about that, that, um, that, so he says that they, um, that was, it's just Oates in a dressing room before a show with another guitar player, friend of his, and they're, he's playing Delta blues and the other guitar player starts playing Texas swing and they're just warming up. And somehow those two things mesh together. Because there's always been something about this song that sat like you guys were saying, that sounds like it shouldn't fit together, but it does. Yeah. Even the way the, the beats are, it feels uh, offbeat or something. And But yet somehow it works and is really great. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I read that, I'm like, it makes perfect sense. It's exactly what this is. It marries into that. It's also got some of the qualities of, because it's just a great pop song, right? But- because of that staccato thing happening in the marriage of those two vibes, it's got a real new wavy vibe that they yeah, also right. had on like Kisses on My List and stuff. It's a soft new wave vibe, but mm-hmm. it's there all the same. Sometimes in the structure of the song, sometimes in the in the sounds that they chose, but they were aware and did it really well. And like not an easy thing for these guys who've been around for all that time to do it responsibly and do it to great success. You know, I mean, they were also from a troubadour era, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. meaning that they were themselves were troubadours, you know, like that kind of vibe, like folky. Right. If you go back to Sarah Smile and that kind of, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and earlier than that, like fucking yeah. luncheonette and shit, like it was fucking wild. God, yeah. they're rad. So mm-hmm. good. I, I always considered this little era of Hollow Notes, like this song, maybe Rich Girls also in here. And if I have my timeline wrong, sorry, but there's like the original 70s, um, I don't know what you would call them, like R&B balladeers with some rock elements, mm-hmm. Hollow Notes. And then there was the like 80s new wave Hollow Notes with, you know, Maneater and adult education stuff. And then there's this little kind of bridge period where they kind of had, had a foot in both sides, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're exactly right, because this record, because Voices is from 1980, and you just kind of described 1980 in general, like <laughs> you just said. Yeah. So the 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 first single off this record is their cover of You've Lost That Love and Feeling. And then Kissing My List is second, and You Make My Dreams is third. And Kissing My List does the best of those three, but just what you just said, they just made that journey right there with those three songs that you just described mm-hmm. on this record. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Carry on.
Now I'm looking for more spelling errors in the in the video. <laughs> Stop doing that. Okay, here we go. In fact, the guitar that uh, Oates was using was called the R2-D2. <laughs> Thank you. Colloquial known as the mustache. <laughs> Do you, I mean, uh, I, 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 uh, I'm interested in what you guys think of this because the it, it, I love this song the same way I love Drive My Car. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know exactly hear the Beatles in here, but it, it makes me feel the same. It's the same kind yeah. of like real good carefree there's feeling something and, like the, the swing of the beat is it, i'm trying to pinpoint it because there's a little bit of motown in here and definitely like i don't, I don't know i can't put my finger on what this sound maybe it's just a unique sound you know you can sort of hear elements I think there's of, a of, lot of bit of motown in there i think there's a lot of motown but they're always with them you know, philly soul yeah. and all and that's their thing but the ba- but yeah there's there there is something that's a little i think what we're just saying is it's just it, there's a little bit of yeah, new wave right. and it is it is the, the delta blues with texas swing this is exactly yeah, the, what the, this is the the, and, the vocals with all the backups and the ooh, ooh, ooh that's that's very motown i get it the thing that that is not motown is what you just said that that kind of weird combination of of the of the keyboard and the guitar doing those weird funky mm-hmm. riffs all throughout the entire song you know that's that Motown yeah. players just didn't do that. They were, they were kind of in the background. Right. And the singers just kind of did everything. These guys are, this is almost like, I don't know. It sounds stupid, but like almost like a prog riff, you know, over, over this pop song, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to put my finger on what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great, and I, I, and, and it's, it's, I picked it because also it feels like the opposite is she's gone. Like I love, I love that lyric. Cause I ain't the way that yeah. you found me. Cause he's, cause he's better now. His dreams are coming true. Yeah. You know what's what's true, Damon, is that like the way that the way that Yes went had a pop hit with fucking Owner of a Lonely Heart with a fucking Stone Groove. Yeah, this is also combining those two. It's like <laughs> coming from the other side. So guys verging on Prague, yeah. coming from pop R and B, whereas Yes was going the other direction. <laughs> so it's Musos slumming it with a groove. So would we Weird. would we call this yeah. mashup Moprog? Sure, <laughs> Moprog. Sure, why not? After dog police, anything's possible. <laughs> I think if you look up their their catalog on iTunes, it says Moprog. Yes, as the style of music. It sounds like such a bad idea. I want to go pitch it to the guys that greenlit the the uh, the dog police <laughs> pilot. Because like you guys like terrible fucking ideas. Okay, there's three of us. Okay, we're all musicians, so. You know, I, but what do you think about Mo Prog? What? Well, like Motown and Prog Rock, what do you think? Uh, and we dress up as cats. What do you think? You think it's a good idea? I'm listening. <laughs> Let's keep going. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Let's hear some more of this, please. Yes.
also nothing but admiration for the for the uh what would you call it the taste uh virtually zero reverb on your voice you know yeah right um he's he sounds so immediate his voice and then the same with the backup guys they're not washing anything out which was a thing back then but uh if you you got a voice like daryl hall you don't want to you want to be right up there you know, unlike who did we just listen to? Oh, share the get down guitar oh, groupie. Get, get down guitar groupie. Yeah, <laughs> just get down, low reverb. down, downtown. Like, if reverb was an ocean, share was the Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> Having her adventure. It was. Having a groupie Doom. adventure. <laughs> get down, downtown. Get down, low down. She got all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Talk about loading. Get down. <laughs> How about five fathoms? <laughs> Can't believe it took us this long to get to fathom. Good job, George. <laughs> We're not exactly. Uh, There's a Leviathan nautical. joke in here somewhere. <laughs> so all I could come up with was she was traveling from skiff to skiff. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Get down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I legit downloaded that record and put uh, "Get Down Guitar Groupie" on the playlist. <laughs> so we can we I bought it. So like share. I bought the right. I bought it's like a it's like Pretty Woman. I bought the right yeah. to uh, have a night with the uh, with with share and talk some shit. Oh yeah, make sure to have that album cover in front of you too while you're doing it. If you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Mackie, Jackie. <laughs> Bob Mackie, forget. How about Bob Jackie? <laughs> More like Bob Jackie, am I right? <laughs> All right, here we go. Best way into a bridge ever. Yeah. Love that, that part. Daryl so does. good. That is so simple and so good. Yeah. That's right. what I mean about it feels like the Beatles to me, where it's so simple and so good. And it, and I and I bet you another thing, that's the thing I want to ask you guys. If you've ever tried maybe mostly you, Damon, I guess, if you ever tried to play this song, because I'm guessing you think like, oh, this will be easy, and it's gotta be I bet it's way harder than you think. Yeah. To, Way yeah, harder because you think you could just be like you can drink a beer with one hand while you play it exactly. Like, well, he's just playing this the like drums in particular. You're like, no, it's not no, that yeah, at all. No. Right? <laughs> Have you ever either one of you ever tried to play this? No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to play it in guitar. This is the one thing that I was telling back in the day that my buddy Brendan used to talk to Dalton and I about. about we were talking about songwriting. Is that this is a perfect song in that you could play this with an acoustic guitar and the emotion is totally there and totally full and totally awesome and takes care of itself. It doesn't need a bunch of other window dressing. It's great when it does, but it works just like that. So you could play it on morning radio was his point. Um, right. And, yeah. you know, and I've heard Daryl do it with John and like on Stern show at nine in the morning and they fucking crush it. Yeah. Same key, original, da, da, da. But the structure of the song lives in the song itself. You don't have to do an arrangement even, you know? Right. Yeah. It's fucking rad. It is. The way he gets out of this bridge right here is the fucking best. It is. Love it. Down on my day. Yep. That's the best part of the song. Yep. Now, I may stick my foot in my mouth after uttering this because sure. I don't remember the, yeah. as the song continues if this happens or not. But 
kudos to them for that little part that that we just went through. You know, uh, the little bridge into the bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dun 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 dun. Right. Yeah. Perfect spot for a sax solo right there. Right. Yeah, and, and they held back. Yes. <laughs> and they and they <laughs> didn't bring that fucker in, and I'm so happy. Me too. Agreed. <laughs> that makes my dreams come true. Yeah, you you could you there could you shit all over that and say, oh, there there needs to be more here, and there doesn't. What? No, the, it the doesn't at all. It, the space in it is what it's about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He even says, "Listen to this." You know, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, come on, take us out. Prince, Prince-like funky moment right there. It was. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. I didn't think of that. You're right. It's totally Prince. Yeah. <laughs> fucking great. Now, they were capable of it, but that sounds like more than two voices was that hollow notes overdubbing themselves as the backups or did they have an extra singer in there no i would like to believe that it's those two i do i would too yeah not the, again they could they do they could probably make a, a chorus out of yeah. themselves and an entire choir out of themselves mm-hmm. if they wanted to but you know i just was wondering if they wanted an extra texture in there or if they just did it all themselves I don't know. I, I didn't get any information on that. By the way, this song went to number five. Didn't make it to one. Yeah. Kiss on my list made it to one, but not this one. I absolutely remember this song and Kiss uh, being uh, current and just loving it, loving it. Like it just it scratched every itch that I ever needed out of pop music. It's so brilliant this period of theirs to me. Yeah, it, it does. It does that that thing you need from a song, which is which is a stop. And then, and then the band kicks back in, you know. Right. And if there's a great little melody that he can insert in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah. And also, when you when and when you're in the know as a fan, as a kid, and you and you do an air drum or whatever right on it, it's very satisfying when when a song does that. You get it you, right, exactly. Yeah. It. yeah. I never do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it right now. I didn't get it right. <laughs> All right. weird style of drumming too like he sounds like he's doing what he did later with peter gabriel where like try to stay away from rock and roll drumming of big hi-hat like i don't there's not much presence on that hi-hat at all he might not even be on it yeah he's sort of turned around more you know operating on like like a floor tom kick snare situation yeah you know Mm -hmm. just all about like a tribal vibe as opposed to turning it around and bringing the right hand over to to work that hi-hat more to give you that because it's very strange and sparse like it's like they decided this needs to be sparse the hi-hat's gonna mess it up this hi-hat's gonna get in the way of all this space we have 
Yeah, you, yeah. you could be right. Yeah. If you ever want to open up a song, just take the drummer cymbals away, you know? Right. Because the, you get reliant on them and it, it just take it's just taking up so much real estate. You know? True. Um, like Peter it, Gabriel used to tell well, like when Phil Collins was on, I think security, and like he just took all the cymbals away. Yeah. And so, and, and Phil could handle it, but there were other drummers where they'd have to put up fake cymbals so that they'd have something to hit because it would throw them off. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, like if you listen to, I, I guess you can you can witness it in the in the uh, Get Back movie, the Beatles movie, when um, I think it's uh, Dig a Pony, where Ringo's. Uh, 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 uh. and then uh, Ringo's playing that kind of like a bit of a waltz like a 6-8 or whatever you call that and uh, and he and it's just him going da no no hi-hat just da you know and then he also does that in uh, not a not a waltz it's a, just a regular 4-4 four, four time but in something the you know something in the way mm-hmm. she moves he's not playing any hi-hats or oh. anything hmm. Ringo's just excellent at like opening it up and that's why he's one of the greatest, and why uh, this guy Jerry Moretta is it Moretta or Morata? I think it's Morata. And then, like a lot of people who do that, great. Like when you're trying to find out, where you find yourself deep in a Depeche Mode groove, which I find myself often. Yeah. If you find yourself deep in one, quite often what's happening there in their programming is you'll notice that like when the groove is super stone, there's no there's no hi hat being programmed in there. It's just it's just it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's such a great move. Such a great move. If you wow. want to grab some pocket, uh, I, I just realized this. I didn't because, but suddenly that name resonated with me. That uh, so this is Rick Murata's brother, Rick Murata from. Probably. I just he he did the Raymond theme and he was with us on Raymond and you know and such a great dude and he but he played on a bunch of Steely Dan stuff. They're a family of drummers and I've seen Rick at mm-hmm. like the jazz places. And oh stuff. right, yeah. And this yeah. is his brother. Yeah, that, they're that, both. That they're dude. both this good. <laughs> yeah monster fucks yeah fuck i didn't know that yeah, it so like, like, oh wait this on, can't be rick Murata's brother oh wait he is yeah, yeah fucking <laughs> on peg that's him yeah. yeah right with that incredible drum and speaking of hi-hats that beautiful fucking crazy open just enough hi-hat in that song that's his brother and that's rick nice yeah well george right. yeah. yeah i was just thinking about uh, uh uh you make my dreams come true and I, I thought of this that if you don't like that song then you just don't like peanut butter and jelly you know, it's like everyone, <laughs> just, it just, it feels like that, you know, like, yeah, yeah it's just yeah, the greatest yeah. thing and it always makes you feel good, you know, even if it's just, it's fantastic. George, George, do, do you, do you like Peter Bernard Jelly? I mean, that's I, not, I mean, there's, that's not a slam dunk with you. No, it <laughs> is. Like I, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, good. Whew. Phew. I've gone through peanut butter and jelly jags, in fact, where I, I just eat it every night. <laughs> On a bender. On a bit of a bender. PB&J bender. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any kind of jelly, grape, raspberry, marmalade, whatever. <laughs> PB, you choose the J. <laughs> you, you just bring it. I'm J neutral. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That was a beautiful sorbet, and I almost forgot about those other two horrible songs. Yeah, I did for a moment. You're right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's more like a PB and G. Am I right? <laughs> 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 I couldn't let it go. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that I guess we we could wrap up episode thirty seven of Ear and Loathing. Damn. You guys Shit. have been spending some quality time with the Gitmo Bros. Um, as you may have heard, we're the number one rockers forever. And Gitmo Bros. Yeah, it's, Gitmo it's, Bros. Gitmo Bros. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sounds like you have the hiccups. Get your bros. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, guess go say hello to us out in the places where people say hello to people. And uh, I guess we talked about it last time. I will be happy to send you the artwork for the T-shirt because it's very funny. And uh, I have a review that some that I, we haven't ever brought this up, but there's a review of the pod on the Apple app. Oh, are you shitting from me? October October twenty seventh, two thousand twenty two, from someone named Miss Mama D. The the letter D. Yeah. And it says, hilarious, five stars, says, love the banter, love the terrible songs, and their takes on them. It's fun, frivolous, and fantastic. Whoa. <laughs> she's Mama right. D, Miss Mama she's D. right in all accounts. Yeah. Is that she someone we up. know? I don't know any, I don't know. It doesn't I don't know anyone with that pen me. name or avatar or whatever. No. <laughs> Miss Mama D? That's right. M-I-S-S-M-A-M-A space D. Nice. Cool. Hey, Miss Mama D, that's awesome, whoever you are. And uh, thank you for that that kind review. And turns out I agree with everything you said. (laughs) She's right. Of course, (laughs) I wrote it. (laughs) Miss Mama D is making my dreams come true. She is. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if she wants to be Mrs. Mama D, uh, you're, you're, you know... Maybe you could marry her, Damon. Yeah, make an honest woman. Yeah. <laughs> My options are still open, Miss Mama D. Put You're it living that way. in sin. You should be living with you. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a deep cut all the way back. Yep, that's right. Either way, it's great to have a have a good uh, review up there. I wish everybody would put those up. Yeah, yeah and it, someone anonymously likes us. We think. <laughs> there you go. That's the only way to like the Gitmo Bros is anonymously. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Don't want anyone to know. All right, so there you go, uh, Miss Mama D. I want to email you the uh, the t shirt uh, logo. It it will look good on your on a on a shirt or a diaper, and you can wear it proudly. If you're living that diaper life, who knows? I don't know. I don't judge. <laughs> All right, I guess we should wrap up this show. It's episode 37, Ear and Loathing. Thanks for being with us, and we will see you next week for episode 38. Later. Ear and Loathing. You guys can uh, eat the dick of me. (laughs) The cornucopia of dick. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next week for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye.